Just wait a minute. We got a job for you. I don't want no job. Why not? It's too much, too much like work, man. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. I mean, work is for suckers. You know, I like my job, Skipper. I wouldn't want to lose it. Hey, it's me, Chris T., and welcome back to Job Story. On today's Job Story, I have a bunch of job stories from those of you out there who submitted them on my Facebook page. And by the way, there's a brand new Facebook group. If you go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chris Sackis, there's a brand new group called Yes Job Story, and you could submit your job story there. You can also email it to jobstorypod at gmail.com. Uh, big news in the job story world. I have signed up with another podcast distribution platform, and now Job Story is available just about everywhere. It's not only on SoundCloud and iTunes, it's also on Google Play, soon to come to Google Podcasts. It's going to be on YouTube any minute now and Spotify. It'll be available wherever you get podcasts, and I'm working on all of that now. But as of today, not just iTunes and SoundCloud, but also on Google Play, soon coming to Google Podcasts and YouTube. So I stuck to my word. And there's even more news. There will be a website and more, including a phone number where you can call and actually record your job story. That's all still to come. I'm working on all of that. This is the Summer Jobs, Summer Not edition of Job Story. And here's our first job story. And it comes to us from the Facebook page. This one attributed to Jane Doe. Ha ha, I suddenly and unceremoniously got the boot after 15 plus years when the powers that be decided that, quote, copy editor, unquote, was an unnecessary expense in the world of digital and print advertising. Drove all the way there that day only to be told to clean my desk and get out. Didn't even get my bagel that morning. Hmm. This one is from Kevin Brongar Grongine. Got caught in the downsizing from 9-11. A year after the oil prices plummeted, no one needed drill string. So got canned with other machinist Class C folks. Even though I lost a great job, it opened an opportunity for a golf course job. Within two years, there I was operating everything there. This job story comes from Abby, who says, How about going to work the day before Thanksgiving? And talking to the new owner of the ad agency I worked for on the phone, as we are chatting, we both come to realize that the scumbag I worked directly for, the former owner of the agency, who I sat across from every day, didn't bother to tell me that the office was closed effective Monday. So after the two-day Thanksgiving holiday, I had no job. Uh, this one comes from Chambermaid called Summer Job Story. In the early 1980s, summer jobs were for students. They weren't great jobs, but they weren't terrible either. Some were even fun. Summer jobs were a way to ease into the workforce. No one really cared if you had experience or even expected you to last. My summer job was being a chambermaid 
at a resort in upstate New York. While some might sneer at this job, I liked it because of the hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. I didn't know this at the time, but these hours were perfect for my new hobby of inflatable raft floating. To give you context, this raft was a cheap one, the kind you had to blow up yourself. I bought it at the A&P. My sister worked at the resort next door, same hours, but she wore a uniform. I could wear my bathing suit, and it was directly across the street from my summer efficiency that I shared with a friend. I'd usually meet my sister after work, and we'd walk a half a mile to the beach with our rafts. As far as the cleaning part goes, in the 80s, we weren't overly concerned about hand sanitizing. I doubt the owners even gave me a pair of gloves. But in all fairness, I mostly made beds and put out fresh towels. Nothing too gross comes to mind, except for the time I was shook to the core when I saw a used condom in the wastebasket. All my friends had higher stress and higher paying jobs. Waiters and dishwashers in busy restaurants, camp counselors and bartenders. I earned just enough for my share of the rent, probably cigarettes and a daily bear claw washed down with an apple cherry berry drink. I shudder at that combo today. I didn't factor food into my budget. I mostly ate dinner elsewhere. If I could stomach it, a visit with my stepfamily, otherwise with my friends' families. One time, we gorged on fresh-picked broccoli from my friend's garden, only to find millions of caterpillars crawling out of the few pieces left uneaten on the plate. Beggars can't be choosers. Looking back now, I realized the whole point of getting this summer job was not for any higher purpose, not money for college or a car or even an eventual mortgage payment. I wasn't thinking of a career, my resume, health insurance, or pension. It was all about work-life balance, something that eludes all of us now as summer jobs turn into internships and jobs traditionally meant for students become part of the, quote, gig economy, unquote. The American dream of retiring after a long career is history. This is the Summer Jobs, Summer Not edition of Job Story. Here's my summer job story. Summer jobs are often the first time you earn a bit of your own money. My first on-the-books job, I'd done a ton of yard and handyman work for quick cash, was a summer job at the newly opened Woolco store just north of Sunrise Highway, just east of Wellwood Avenue in my hometown, Lindenhurst. I was 16 with a brand new work permit and hired as a stock boy along with three dozen other boys. No stock girls. Girls worked as cashiers up front. We all wore Woolco branded work shirts, coats, or aprons. Stock boys did anything cashiers, clerks, and cooks didn't. From unloading trucks and filling the warehouse to pricing items and running them out to the floor to mopping up broken bottles of spaghetti sauce, to stuffing garbage into the compactor and cardboard into the incinerator, to towing items out the customer's cars, to rounding up shopping carts in the parking lot. It was nonstop and endless. From the moment you punched in to when you clocked out, exhausted. I eventually figured out I could hide for half an hour 
in a bathroom stall, flipping through Guitar Player magazine, drooling over new axes, stomp boxes, amps, etc., before our crew-topped manager, Mr. Burleson, would pound on the door and bellow, Suckers! He knew it's where I'd hide. It's where we all hid. According to Wikipedia, Wilco was founded by Woolworth as a, quote, full-line discount department store, unquote, the year I was born, 1962. The one I worked in was massive, not unlike today's superstores, much larger than the Woolworth's Five and Dime down on Matokaiwi in West Babylon. Woolco had everything, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, too, at the Red Grill restaurant inside, where I took an occasional meal if I didn't brown bag it. I took the job to buy a car and insure it. I was tired of riding my Yawa moped, helmetless in all kinds of weather, nearly getting killed daily by inattentive motorists. I wanted to earn enough to get a cheap piece of shit on four wheels and make it nice and legal. September would roll around and I'd be driving myself back and forth to school. Meanwhile, I was miserable. I earned minimum wage, not a cent more, and spent every minute on my feet lifting, pulling, or pushing something. The worst was garbage detail, emptying every trash can in the store into a huge rolling bin and shuttling it to the compactor, a gaping maw into which the garbage was shoved with long poles. The stench in the depths of August stays with me to this day, as does the whispering of the kid who pulled me aside and said, we're all getting fired at the end of the shift. Grab whatever you want. I'm getting some watches. As a cost-cutting measure, Wilco decided to fire almost every stock boy they'd hired a few months prior. But they lost the element of surprise, and as word spread quickly through the warehouse, it became a scene of retail carnage. As boys no older than me grabbed anything they could stuff into their pockets and got out. Some of the greedier ones backed their cars up to the loading dock and maneuvered stereos, TVs, air conditioners, whatever they could into open trunks. There were plenty of things I wanted, but I was too afraid of being caught by Burleson, who I was sure would track me down to my house, pound on my door, and yell, Circus! I took the money I saved up at the job and I bought Billy Kammerer's gold 1967 Mercury Cougar, which remarkably had a dent on every body panel and featured a hood that would fly open at any speed over 30. I eventually secured it with a bicycle lock, but it was mine and it meant I didn't have to ride the Yawa or the bus. Ironically, my next official job would be walking distance away at Southside Fish and Clam, home of the Twin Lobster Dinner, down at the end of my block. More about that and my other excursion into the food service industry next time here on Job Story. Hey, it's me, Chris T, and I'm in my garage. This is Job Story number nine. And it's uh, Thursday, July 5th, uh, right around noon. And uh, my task today is to clean off my workbench and get rid of a lot of work stuff. So that's the connection to work here. It's tenuous, I know. But uh, the workbench has been piled high since about a week after I 
got fired, lost my job, whatever you want to call it. And uh, there is a stack of boxes that they've sent me, big boxes, full of stuff from work. I have to decide what gets tossed, what is kept, and what is sold at this garage sale we're planning for Saturday. So that's my task today. And I've been putting it off as long as possible because it's kind of a monumental task. And I am not looking forward to it in any way, shape, or form. But uh, here goes nothing and I've decided I'm going to start with the workbench because once I get the workbench clear I can pile stuff on the workbench and go through it but right now the workbench looks like uh, it's ready to set sail as my mother used to say whenever the dining room table was a mess hey it's me Chris T this is job story number nine And uh, I finally got into one of my boxes from work of the four boxes that were shipped to me. And the top box happens to be full of files from my file cabinet. You know, everybody's got that little drawer on their desk that holds the uh, letter-sized files. And so I'm up to G, emptying out these Pendaflex folders. And it's hitting me hard because, uh, well, the one I just opened up is expenses. And I'm looking at all of the expenses that I had to submit over the years, the trips I took, the times I had to stay overnight because of a blizzard or some other weather condition. And... um, a lot, there's just a lot of stuff here that I, I, I don't know. It's not that easy to just throw it out, but what's the point to keeping it, right? I mean, I'm trying to pull out anything with identifying information on it, uh, sensitive information, and that will be shredded upstairs. But I think the rest of it's just going to be recycled. This is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, clearing out these files. I mean, I'm going through everything to see what to get rid of and what to keep. And uh, I came across the file that had all of our guests, or not all of them, as many of them as made it into the file. And um, we had some really good guests on the show. We had some really good guests on the show. I mean, just a quick glance at them. I saw... Billy Eichner's name in there, Jesse Ventura. I saw um, Jimbo Mathis, a uh, bunch of other folks who whose names are coming back to mind, and I don't really want to go back into the file, but, uh, you know, uh, on some level I have to say, we had, a, we had a damn good show. We did a damn good show. And um, I think the listeners liked it. And I think they they took it away from people, and I'm not really sure why. I mean, I know why. I believe me, I know why. I get it. But uh, still, this is tough. Hey, it's uh, me, Chris T. This is job story number nine. And uh, I am out in the garage with stuff spread out all over the workbench from my last employer. Uh, 
and uh, I've gotten to I've gotten to the tough stuff. This is the tough part for me because there's a file here um, that contains a lot of things that we were sent over the years from listeners, a lot of notes and um, pictures and stickers and CDs. All kinds of stuff that uh, it pains me to say I don't really have room for. It also pains me to say that there's something painful about keeping it. I don't really know that I can keep it because it'll just remind me. And I don't really want to be reminded. Not right now. I mean, there may come a point in the future, who knows, where I regret it. Ah. So I I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do, but I think it's going to go in the trash. I think it's time to move on. You've been listening to Job Story. You can find Job Story on iTunes, in the Google Play Store, on Spotify, on YouTube, and anywhere you find podcasts. You can also drop me a line at jobstorypod at gmail.com. Please tell me your job story. There's also a new Facebook group. If you go to facebook.com slash Chris Sackis, you'll find it under groups. Job Story is the name of the group, and you can leave your job story there. In the future, we'll also have a phone number you can call that will record your job story. And I'm working on getting live phone calls going on as well. There's also a sort of website and more information about that will be put up on the Job Story group on Facebook. So keep watching that and I'll see you again next week here on Job Story when I hope to have some job stories from the folks who work in Coney Island. Suppose you tune in next week to see if I'm the job.